Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 102, for Monday, January 16th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone. And once again, thanks for listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well... We're only halfway through January 2023, and it's time for us to start our dive season. While we aren't out in the ocean diving just yet, there are people doing that up here. We're going to be back in the pool this weekend, and that's going to ha- we're going to have our first confined water class of the year. Not only that, we have several Discover Scuba diving sessions, and there's some pool refresher work going on. In addition... A couple of our instructors are going to be in the pool shooting some video for our revised buoyancy and control training. So a lot going on early in the year. Today, the show is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to be doing my normal wet notes, news and information and commentary update. And that's because last week I had the privilege of sitting down for a chat with Dr. Alex Brilski. Now, Dr. Brilski is one of the leading voices in scuba today. You might recognize his name from the book, The Complete Diver, or from his many years of writing for Dive Training Magazine. Now, Alex and I connected after DEMA. He attended that panel discussion that I was on with Tech Clark um, at the DEMA show, and then he went back and listened to one of the episodes of Scuba Shack Radio. And it was the episode where I talked about Patty 1983. Well, turns out Dr. Brilski was at Patty then, and he offered to come on the podcast and tell us a little bit of the behind the scenes story of how Patty developed the recreational dive planner. He was right in the middle of all that. So, here's my discussion with Dr. Alex Brilski. Okay, Happy New Year. Welcome, Alex, to Scuba Shack Radio. Uh, thanks for taking some time today to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invite, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, well, Alex, you know, I know you do a lot of different speaking and teaching and writing today on what's going on today with uh, the environment and uh, diving and specifically with your company, Ocean Education International. And, and we're very grateful for, for all of that. Um, you know, so we're, we're very appreciative of all the work you're doing and moving us forward. But I think, um, you know, one of the things here on Scuba Shack Radio that we like to do is we like to go back in history a little bit on uh, you know, scuba diving because it has a very rich history. Uh, we've done some work with uh, the different manufacturers and some of the pioneers in diving. Um, and then 
you know, uh, several months ago, I did a, uh, a short segment on Patty 1983. I found some books on our shelf uh, from 1983 on Patty, and uh, it was interesting to go back and, and, and look at that. And then one of the things that came out of that is uh, we connected over Dima uh, on that episode 1983, uh, where you said, hey, I was at Patty in 1983, and uh, I have some things that, that I'd like to, to follow up with you on it. So um, so take us back a little bit in, in, in those first days at Patty. What what was it like back then? Uh, it was very interesting. I actually joined the staff in February of 1980, and uh, I came aboard. Uh, I was hired by Al Hornsby as a training facility projects coordinator, and uh uh, essentially, I was his assistant, and in that role, uh, I was basically a customer service person for the various Patty Dive Centers. I helped out in uh, marketing campaigns, etc. But uh, I was I was given an assignment uh, to create uh, what became the first uh, business of diving uh, curriculum for the Patty ITC. This was the pre-IDC days, and uh, that kind of you know, demonstrated my interest and ability. And, and uh, by 1984, I had been promoted to uh, uh, training facility projects coordinator and uh, was working in that capacity at the time you were, you were, you're referring to. And in fact, that was a pretty uh, uh, interesting time. That was uh, the point where the, uh, uh, a lot of the Patty curriculum beyond open water was being created and, uh, so 83, 80, 84 was actually when the IDC was uh, introduced. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so you did a lot of work. You know, I, I, I did listen to the podcast that you did with uh, Tech Clark several years ago, League of Extraordinary Divers, and it was a fascinating career and all the things that were going on back then. Um, you know, I know you worked on the Dive Master course, the Recreational uh, Encyclopedia of, of uh, Diving, um, the Rescue course, uh, the IE, as it is now known, uh, which we all uh, thank you for, <laughs> the IDC and <laughs> IE that we put all our instructors through. Um, but um, one of the things that uh, I think, you know, is, is really interesting is... Um, what was going on back then with dive planning and specifically uh, the recreational dive planner and dive tables? Um, you know, I, I don't know. What was Patty using before there were dive tables? Do you know? Well, like all of the training, all of the uh, training organizations, we were essentially using our own uh, branded version of the U.S. Navy standard air decompression tables. So we just took the, the three relevant tables and formatted them into a, a little bit easier way to uh, manipulate them. And, and that was pretty much state of the art. Uh, however, this period was really an interesting uh, point because uh, the technology had evolved. By this time, uh, Doppler bu bubbler ultrasound uh, flow meters were being used uh, to detect uh, what, were, what, are, what were termed silent bubbles in divers. And some pretty startling results were coming out with regard to divers bubbling, even at the limits of the Navy tables. And there was a lot of discussion and it was just a very interesting time uh, for that whole sector of, uh, of diving and dive theory. 
Yeah, you you write a little bit about that in uh, the Complete Diver, uh, the new tables for recreational divers. It's it's a very short segment in there, but I think there's a lot more to that story than than mm -hmm. what's uh, just in there. So, um, so you had a very interesting uh, initial dialogue with someone on uh, RDP. Uh, can you tell Indeed us a little I bit did, about yes. that? Yeah, this was probably 1984. Uh, and in my capacity, uh, when technical questions would come in about diving and diving theory, they would typically refer them to me. And then I, I remember quite vividly, actually, one morning I get a, a phone call uh, from a gentleman identified himself as Dr. Raymond E. Rogers. And he was a dentist in uh, Lighthouse Point, Florida, a uh, very active diver. And he was in a, in a dive master course. And uh, Ray explained that, uh, you know, he posed a question to his uh, instructor and she said, you know, I hadn't really thought of that. And, uh, you know, you should talk to uh, uh, my, you know, my colleague. And I had worked with uh, Higgy Robertson was her name. And so he called and uh, it was a pretty simple uh, question he had. He said, you know, we dive a lot at a, on a reef that's at just over 40 feet of water. And according to the rules of the tables, uh, we have to plan that for 50 feet. And it just seems like that's uh, unreasonable. You know, it's it's a, a needless penalty to you know just for a few feet of depth. And his question was, why didn't the Navy uh, create the tables with five foot rather than ten foot increments? And I said, well, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, I don't know. I can make a guess. I would suspect that operationally, the Navy did not need that level of accuracy because ten more feet to a naval dive operation is irrelevant. And I said, and, and and probably given that these tables were created by hand, you know, people with slide rules, uh, crunching numbers, they didn't really uh, want to invest that unnecessary uh, time and effort. And I said, but however, uh, having said that, if you're really interested, uh, I would suggest you contacting the experimental dive unit up in Panama City. This, of course, was pre-internet, so you just couldn't log on and find out uh, a lot of information. And so, you know, it was maybe a half hour conversation and I hung up and I thought, well, you know, I, I assumed I would never hear from Ray again. And lo and behold, a few months later, I get another call from Ray and he was uh, effusive in his thanks. He said, you know, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of information and I, I've looked at the original research and, you know, and, you know, it turns out Ray's son at the time was uh, a uh, computer science student at Florida State. And he had actually asked him to create, uh, you know, a computer program to run the algorithm for the uh, the model that the Navy used. And he said, you know, you know, there's the the question I have, and in, in Ray is, you know, why why would the Navy, uh, you know, base their surface credit interval table on 120 minutes? And uh, he says, you know, if if you're not going to decompress, that's really not necessary. And I said, well, and he went on to explain. And I said, you know, well, that's, you know, some interesting point. Uh, and he said, uh, it probably is a good idea, however, to cut the uh, the initial no decompression limits. Uh, and that was that was a big point of, uh, of a big issue at the time, because there were researchers by this point, like uh, uh, Andy Pilmanis and, and uh, Bruce Bassett and uh, uh, uh I can't re remember the the other uh, individual. They were they were doing studies on on Dop with Doppler, finding that there was significant bubbling, and so 
you know, I said, you know, your ideas are kind of interesting. Why don't you write up an article? As part of my duties, I was the uh, uh, managing editor for the Undersea Journal. I said, yeah, this would make a really good journal journal article. And so he wrote, uh, I think, a real seminal article called The Dive Tables, A Different View. And in it, he outlined the advantages of what would be uh, eventually become the recreational dive planner. Uh, specifically citing the need to reduce no decompression limits and most importantly, most novelly, create a surface interval table that was based on the 60-minute rather than the 120-minute tissue. And uh, he wrote the article, we published it, and uh, again, I thought, you know, that was that was uh, interesting uh, uh, theoretically. Uh, and then about uh, probably 1985 or so, Ray decided to retire and uh, he was going to take a trip, uh, drive across the country just to, you know, just as a, a thing to do. And uh, he was going to uh, finish his trip up at, at uh, in California because he was uh, planning to attend a, uh, a seminar out on Catalina Island where most of the dive table researchers uh, were going to convene and, you know, discuss the issue of, you know, should dive tables be readjusted, et cetera. And I said, well, you know, if you're going to be this close, please stop by. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he shows up uh, and very enthused and excited about uh, the seminar or the and, you know, as we started talking, he says, you know, I've done a little bit more work and I'm going to show you something. And he pulls out of his bag uh, a uh, several sheets of paper. And what he had done was to create what would be become the preliminary version of the RDP that had been generated, that he and his son had generated. And he kind of showed me here's, you know, here's the advantage. The big advantage, of course, was you know the the fact that basing the surface credit interval table on a 60 minute tissue substantially reduced the time divers had to stay out of the water in fact the maximum time out of the water uh was six hours as opposed to the 12 hours with the old navy tables and so that was that was pretty dramatic and i think that's really where where ray was very insightful extremely intelligent guy and uh he was the, the first person to recognize that, you know, if we accepted that caveat that we never decompress, uh, we could avoid the, the penalty of that 120 minute tissue. And, uh, you know, I got, you know, pretty excited as well. And so uh, I uh, uh, w- uh, attended an, uh, an executive meeting every month, Patty at Patty headquarters, we would have an executive committee meeting with, all of the executives, normally some board members, et cetera. And so uh, I made a presentation, uh, actually really more of a discussion, and I, I kind of outlined what Ray would, had proposed, and uh, it was unceremoniously shot down, <laughs> uh, <laughs> alleging that, uh, you know, there would have to be some, uh, you know, some validation done, so that would be expensive, and that the... the uh, would require revision of the tables and whatnot. And and they just could not justify in essence, replacing one table with another because it would just, you know, transition from the Navy tables to these new, new patty tables. And, 
they just didn't think there was uh, justification to do that. And so I, you know, I, I did my job and I assumed the, the issue was, uh, was uh, over with. However, at that same time, we had a uh, dynamic new uh, marketing manager by the name of C.K. Stewart. And uh, C.K. was a very interesting guy. He was uh, a trained psychotherapist. He worked with, with Ogilvy in, in Manhattan. So he was a real marketing uh, expert, essentially. And he, he took me aside afterwards and he said, you know, you, you mentioned something about uh, a, a, a circular slide rule. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, one of the things that Ray had in his bag was this little prototype of a, uh, as he termed it, a circular side slide rule. It was a, a concept apparently taken from aviation. I'm not a pilot, but what Ray had explained is that pilots use these kind of circular calculators for, I guess, time and distance and fuel consumption and whatnot. And he says, you know, uh, with this device, we can accommodate multi-level diving. And uh, that was becoming an issue at this point because you couldn't really use a dive table formally for multi-level diving. There was a technique that, you know, in the background, uh, you know, divers, some divers understood you could kind of tweak the table and use it to make a multi-level profile, but it wasn't, you know, officially recognized by any so, of the, any. So the RDP yeah, and the wheel were kind of simultaneously being developed. It's, it's the same exact decompression model. Yeah, it was just two different ways of displaying the data. Uh, you know, and as Ray explained, you know, the the advantage of the wheel was twofold. You could actually plot and interact with the outgassing curve. Uh, and as he showed me by moving the little arms, you could move from one depth up to a shallower depth. Yeah and plan for a, a dive that had, you know, uh, more than, you know, a single level as most recreational dives do, you know, that was intriguing. Uh, I don't think it quite got the, the attention at the meeting that we had, but, but CK was astute enough to realize that this really could be, you know, game changing in a sense. And so uh, he and I put our heads together and, um, uh, at his direction and uh, at the next executive committee meeting, uh, he presented uh, a, a stronger presentation, he, uh, but also presented a way where the investment in the research and development could be justified because, you know, he projected, you know, the sales of the, the wheel would be, you know, excess of the sales of the table and, you know, whatnot. So anyway, bottom line, it uh, it convinced the executive committee to approve it, and uh, so Ray was brought in for some more consultation, and the commitment was made to uh, uh, create another entity. This is when the Diving Science and Technology DSAT was created, uh, that would be responsible for developing the uh, uh, validating it through uh, through through testing, and uh, kind of the next phase of things started. So for the next couple of years, uh Another individual comes into play, uh, and that was uh, Dr. Michael Powell, who was a uh, 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 aviation and hyperbaric physiologist up in Seattle, who uh, essentially helped develop and and really uh, headed up the uh, uh, the testing portion 
of the of the 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 of the uh, the the model basically is there was no RDP at this time, and uh, that turned out well. If I remember correctly, in all of the the testing that they did, I think they only ever got uh, bubbles in in grade two one time, and I think it was only two or three times they got bubbles in grade one. Uh, bubbling, by the way is graded according to uh, the assessor how many bubbles they're hearing between heartbeats and uh, uh, the most common scale uses a maximum of uh, four as the, the maximum level of bubbling and as i said i think there was one instance of two and uh, and uh, uh, maybe a few instances of one so bottom line that was uh, quite successful and uh, to make a long story short in uh, 1988 the uh, both the tabular uh, RDP and and the uh, wheel were introduced, uh, and uh, basically uh, that that uh, that's what happened. Yeah, the response was you know interesting and unfortunate because the, the wheel never took off to be the success that it was uh, hoped to be, and it was a, in my view it was a classic example of timing. It was a great product that was introduced at the wrong time. Had it been introduced uh, in 1978 as opposed to 1988, I think it would have been, you know, enormously successful because it would have solved the multi-level problem in addition to providing a lot less time uh, a penalty out of the water in, during repetitive dives. But what had happened uh, by this point, uh, certainly the... Uh, microprocessor-based computers, uh, the Orca Edge initially, and then the Skinny Dipper thereafter, had basically solved that problem, and uh, the RDP was just kind of a little bit, a little bit too late. But I, I think it 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 does deserve, uh, you know, recognition in the, in the annals of of decompression uh, theory for recreational divers. Yeah. It was a very innovative. So that's the that's the short story yeah. of about it. <laughs> it was it was it was Six a bit years. of a challenge. Uh, you know, we we used to have <laughs> I still have mine in the office. Uh, you know, the the wheel. It's uh, getting those little dots to line up was sometimes a little bit of a challenge, and we we'd always be off a little bit. But uh, we had to, we had to learn that we had a bigger version of it that got all uh, you know uh, out of whack. Exactly. So. Yeah. I think there was a psychological part to that too, because people were used to definitive answers. When you use a table, yeah. you know, you were going to intersect and you were going to find an exact quantity. Yeah. And I think people were very uncomfortable interacting with that curve and having some interpretation to do. And I, I don't think, I think divers were really, certainly dive professionals were very uncomfortable with the, with the, with what they felt was the uncertainty of that. And I think that was part of the, part of the issue yeah i think we when we when we would take our tests we would be like well wait a minute i, mm -hmm. I think i had the right yeah. answer but the you know they, they had a different one on there so um mm -hmm. so yeah very interesting stuff so 1980 88 or 87 88, 88 was 88 was yeah, 88, uh, 88 is when the, when the rdp was introduced okay uh, interesting we didn't uh thought it came out a lot earlier than that but uh but you know, so you're there from the beginning, from the first phone call, uh, you know, to 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 the actual, um, you know, distribution and proliferation of of, of the RDP. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. Yeah, ironically, I left I left Patty uh, right after DEMA of '88 with with the introduction of the of the uh, device. So it was uh, 
literally start to finish. And it was, uh, it was a it, very interesting. Uh, tragically, Ray died uh, unexpectedly uh, only a few years after the RDP was, uh, was introduced, mm-hmm. but he was a remarkable guy. One, one of the smartest people I ever knew in my life. Yeah. Uh, kind of interesting how people, uh, take things, uh, from different professions, a dentist becoming, um, one of the foremost, uh, developers of, of, a, of a recreational dive planner, but that's just, that, that's just, the innovative nature of, of the scuba diving uh, industry and, and history. And that's why I find it fascinating to go back and see what was going on, um, you know, a long time ago uh, with, with within the, the dive world. Um, but, um, you know, um, so, so a lot now, um, Alex out there about, the recreational dive planner, um, whether uh, we should still be teaching it uh, to our open water students uh, and dive professionals. Um, you know, I, I know Tech did a Tech Clark did a little pr- uh, bit on this in the dive locker, and he and I have exchanged a little bit of of, of dialogue back and forth on whether we should be teaching it uh, or not. Um, and I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and see. What are your thoughts on uh, teaching the recreational dive planner to uh, new open water students? Well, you know, I think uh, the question kind of, to me, it answers itself because I, I, I did, I, before I came on the, sh- on the show last week, I, I, I tried to think back the last time I physically actually saw a dive table on a dive boat and I, I couldn't remember. Uh, so I, I think de facto dive tables are dead. Uh, I think professionals should probably understand uh, tables because it really kind of uh, explains, you know, what the whole basis is. Uh, but I think from the standpoint of recreational divers, I I I, I think tech is an advocate of teaching. I, I this is you know I have enormous respect for him, but I think this is where one point where we diverge. I I think the the time dive tables are uh, you know gone the way of the sexton basically. Yeah, I, you know we we had a, a a long dialogue a couple of years ago. We stopped teaching them and started teaching. Uh, our decompression and dive planning using the dive computer because that's what they're they're going to be having out there on 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 the boats and and in their diving. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was a tough sell to a lot of our instructors to say, yeah, you can teach dive planning and um, and decompression without the dive tables. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and teach them in in the manner of which they're going to use. So yeah, Tech and I we agreed for the professionals probably a little bit more, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a rite of passage, I guess. But uh, but that's uh, that's uh, where we're, we're at today with with the dive tables. Uh, very innovative, uh, but like everything, they they do go by the wayside when technology uh, gives us a better way. To do things. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely correct on that one. Mm-hmm. Well, you you know, Alex, I, I really want to thank you for that little bit of history uh, regarding the 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 RDP and things that were going on at at, at Patty back at the top of the show. Here we we focus on uh, things uh, in the past with scuba and scuba diving and the scuba history, but 
We also look to the future and part of our mission is for uh, advocating for ocean health and sustainability. And I know that's really important to you. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, later on in the spring, um, you might come back on the show and we'll talk. This time we talked about the past. Next time we'll talk about the future a little bit and uh, maybe talk a little bit about your your new book uh, that's out there. Um, hopefully you'll be able to come back uh, around the Earth Day time frame and we'll talk a little bit more about the future of scuba diving and ocean health and sustainability. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on today. Uh, uh, I really appreciate it and uh, best of luck as we head into 2023. Likewise, you too. Likewise. Great, great. Thanks for the intro. Well, that was great to have uh, Dr. Alex Brilski come on the show and talk a little bit about some of the scuba history and what was going on at Patty way back in the 80s. I was really surprised to learn that the recreational dive planner and the Patty wheel were developed at the same time. I was always under the impression that that multi-level wheel came a lot later. Well, if you're not familiar with the wheel, just Google Paddy Wheel and you can find out a whole lot more. Now, I experienced a little bit of a technical problem with my recording right at the end, and that's where Alex and I talked a little bit about some of his up-and-coming work as well as his new book, Beneath the Blue Planet. Now, that book is going to be available everywhere starting around February 14th. Also, Alex has partnered with Dive Ventures, and he's going to host monthly webinars called Oceans Update. And the first one of these is January 25th at 1230 Eastern Time. It looks like right now from the website they have at least six planned. You can check it out at diveventures.com slash oceans update. And again, I'm hoping that Dr. Brilski will come back on Scuba Shack Radio to tell us a little bit more about his book as we celebrate Earth Day 2023. Also, voting for the 2023 Diving Equipment and Marketing Association's Board of Directors is still going on. It wraps up on January 26th. So if you're a DEMA member and haven't voted yet, I hope that you will vote and also hope that you'll consider voting for me to represent the scuba retailers area. So that wraps up episode 102. And once again, thanks for tuning into the show, and please pass it along. Until next time, take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time. <laughs>